So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm your host, Nisha, and I'm joined by... Carolyn, what's up? Yes, we are back, and it has been, even though February is the shortest month, and it's felt like the longest month also. No lie, I can't believe it. Yes. So many things happened, like, in the world of film, too. Like, we just had the Oscars and all this other stuff, so. And and a certain person, I bring up the Oscars because a certain person was featured on the news, Oh, oh yes, covering yes. The, the Oscars. Yes, yes. It was on um, TRT World. It's a um, European web. I guess you could say web casting show. So like they do like news, mm. kind of like all over the world. Because I think they also have places, things in like Tel Aviv and and in London mm-hmm. and those kind of places. So yeah. So we also provide a link to that in the show notes yes. um, on the blog post. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, please do because I was when you sent that to me that morning. I was like, "Oh my god, look at Carolyn go!" Oh, so happy for you. I was but, so nervous. I, <laughs> I think you did great. I think you really did good. Um, even with like the little technical glitches, I think you did a really good job. And then you held. I think you like kind of held your face in when they announced Green Book. <laughs> I was proud of that. I was like, "Let me try and control myself. Be composed." Yes, yes. <laughs> No, you d- you are very professional. You would have done better than me because everyone at work has at- talked about it like on Monday, and I was just like, "Yeah, driving Miss Daisy Part Two one." Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but th- we we are not here to talk about the Oscars. We can maybe later, but let's jump into what, uh, the book corner. So, I'll go first. Um, for because again, this month was just very draining for me. I had a lot of things going on, getting ready for South by Southwest. Did I say that right? Yep, I said that right. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, um, and also, like, just other pr- things going on in the world. Um, but I decided in honor of Black History Month that I would feature a book that we've talked about on here before by a Black author. Mm-hmm. It is Little Leaders, Bold Women in Black History, and it is by Vashti Harrison. I've talked about this, like, a while ago. If I, I might have featured it on the no we haven't been doing the show for a year yet so it was this is our first february no, episode uh, I think, um, is it gonna be is it june that'll be a year because our first podcast we were yeah. talked we talked about um infinity war so i think yes, june would be a yes. year man time has flying by for but i'm sure. excited for it um but yeah so this book i really love it just because like in addition to like her art style one which is just beautiful it's like they're just so cute and tiny it's like it reminds me of cabbage patch dolls a little bit just Mm -hmm. how she draws like how she draws people but it's just like it's cute to see like a little uh sojourner truth or a little harriet tubman um and all the like just features so many black women throughout history like from oprah winfrey to dr may jameson and then like he just keeps going on and on but then each page has a summary about who they were and what they did so it's not like while it gives the appearance of a child's book so you could very well read this to a child you get a lot of in-depth information about each of the women featured in the book and that's always been my favorite thing because like I could read a page a day um and just get to enjoy the artwork and the story and learn a little bit because like there's some people I didn't like know about in here until like I think maybe a while like Julie Dash is somebody I was introduced to from the book and she's a filmmaker yeah she's a director right and I'm just like oh I'm like oh she made that I'm like I've seen her work but I didn't know who she was so I just really love that book this book yes her her Um, film was um daughters of the dust right yes daughters of the dust that's correct good one 
yeah so it's just really awesome so if y'all want to pick that up support a black woman author i know black history month has passed but it's still a perfect book to get any time of the year it is um Yes. I love Vashti's work because um, on Twitter, mm-hmm. like what she does on Twitter, she'll like post these little images and these of like concept art that she's coming apart with are like new characters that she's developing. She'd be yes. like, "What do you? What, what would you name this? Um, this this mm-hmm. this this young girl or this woman that she draws?" And her, I love her artwork. Um, like she was one of the first yeah. people that I interviewed when I actually started getting into entertainment writing. This was when I was working for oh, wow. BGN. She was one of the first. Actually, wait, she was my second interview because my first interview was Matthew A. Cherry. And then she was my mm. second interview because that was when they, because they collaborated on his short film, um, Hair Love. So, because yes. he's the director and writer, but she's the, um, the, per, the artist that he went to for to help with the concept art and the design, the, um, design yeah. of the character. So she was the second person I interviewed. And I, I love Vashi's work. And she, it's, mm-hmm. her work is like her, the book that she does is very important because there's two, I think there's a second Little Leaders that came out recently um, at the end yeah. of last year. And and she, she's an amazing, um, she's an amazing artist. And she needs, she mm-hmm. like deserves all the accolades and all the, and all the support that people can give her so like again it, this episode this episode is for february and with black and it was black history month but also going into march is going to be um women's is is it women's history month it is also women's history month so that, yes oh, women's history that. month so the book falls into both categories there we go there see that is why you are a great co-host you connect the dots <laughs> and everything <laughs> i love it thank you, but thank yeah, you. and then you know what i'm hoping that when hair love does come out it can probably i hope it can be submitted for an oscar like if it's a because it's going to be a short it'll be a short yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be i think that would be great to be submitted as a short for the oscars because i mean i've i had put a little money towards the gofundme when they were raising money for it so i can't mm-hmm. wait to get a few of my prizes from that and then also just see it come to fruition it's gonna be awesome yeah um, like her work her artwork is beautiful yep right. um and then what about you I read nothing. Well, I'm not going to lie. I read, but it's not anything mm-hmm. that I would say that I, I could contribute to the discussion because I was finishing, I was trying to finish up um, The Passage, which is the first book oh, ba- yeah. that the, the TV show is based on. And that book is mm-hmm. so dense. And yeah. and I had mentioned this previously in a previous episode, like, but I had my cognitive fog came back, so reading was difficult. So mm-hmm. I tried reading that some more. Um, so I... I yeah, so I don't have anything with... You're good. I, I technically did not read anything this month. <laughs> I'm just featuring a book that I've read before. So we're good. But, but it's, what it's, I, I will say is, oh, for February, um, there's a new comic series by um, John. On He's on Twitter. Mm-hmm. His, his um, Twitter handle is Ivy is Ivy Wall and he has a new series called Scorpio oh. and actually that yes. I intend once I get the comics that's what I'm going to be contributing for March so I'm really looking forward to his comic series because it features an uh, interracial couple so the main the main character mm. um, is male he's um, Asian American I believe Chinese because mm-hmm. the things that, that, that it revolves around the Chinese Zodiac and then the female mm-hmm. character is um, African American woman so I'm really looking forward to his cartoon series and we'll provide, I'll provide a link for that in the blog notes as well um, so perfect I, like, that would be something great to, um, 
to support um, John and the comics and because we need more diversity in comics as well and we were discussing this on Twitter briefly we were talking about there's very few relationships that we see in media with Asian or Asian American Mm -hmm. males with black women so like this is a contribution to that and it's just something that I'm really looking forward to reading so once it gets in the mail my eyes are going to be glued to that (laughs) perfect I like it I can't wait to check that out too okay then let's move on to the TV corner Mm -hmm. what do you have on deck and for the TV corner, I watched Beyond My K-Dramas. Um, I watched <laughs> Russian Doll. And yes. this is the show created by Leslie Headland, Natasha Leon, and Amy Poehler. Mm-hmm. And it stars Natasha Leon as Nadia Valukov and Charlie Barnett mm-hmm. as Alan Zaveri. So the synopsis of the show is, it's a cynical young woman in New York City who keeps dying and returning to the party that's being thrown in her honor on that same evening. She tries to find a way out of this strange time loop. And I, it's a really fascinating show. I love it. It's it's. It's, it's weird, but it's, like, my kind of weird in the fact, like, yes. I think it's one of the most realistic portrayals of a city and characters that I've seen in the fact, like, nothing does nothing is overly glossed. Like, everyone doesn't look polished. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the way she speaks is, like, like, like she curses, like, a lot. and But yes. for me, it doesn't get overbearing because sometimes, like, when I'm watching shows or TV movies, I mean, people are cursing mm-hmm. constantly. I'm like, can't you please just use another word? But it doesn't, like, it doesn't <laughs> bother me. Um, but um, kind of like how it did in... Um, a star is born like I, like the curse like Bradley ah. Cooper's character cursing annoy the hell out of me but that, I, I di- <laughs> but I digress but Russian Doll is a really it's a really good show and I like how they handle time loop in the fact that it's like not linear so like sometimes yes. she comes back to where she started or she comes back at a different point so, mm-hmm. so there's this whole plot device where she wakes up in her, she comes back in her bathroom, but she doesn't always come back in her bathroom because Sunday's like if she goes to sleep, she'll wake up in the bed that she, which is kind of like how episode two started, like she woke up in the bed. So I kind of like mm-hmm. how they handle that, and and the point of the show, like usually, like when you have films or TV shows revolving around like kind of like a Groundhog Day concept of like reliving the same day, or is mm-hmm. about people trying to fix something and for this yes. it's, it's not necessarily try it wasn't about her fixing something it was about her accepting and i i don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it because i think the way they handled the, this this particular plot detail was really well done because yes. it wasn't something that you were expecting they kind of like brought it up like probably in the last two three episodes and then you realize mm-hmm. how important it was um but yeah. i liked her i like um nadia nadia's hilarious and then there's the other Ugh, character the other so main funny. character is alan which is played by charlie barney who i loved in shock in chicago fire mm-hmm cutie um but mm-hmm. his other thing his for him is like his personality is a complete opposite of her she's like she's not disorganized yeah. but she's like the kind of person like if something happens she's she like it happened I, i'm not going to stress over it whereas for him he's like yes he's he's very fastidious he likes things in a set way he probably has like slight mm. ocd and he, he's, he's very chahidi from yeah. the good place yeah he's kind of like cheaty <laughs> someone was saying that in the live too because we like tweeted it for saturday night sci-fi and mm-hmm. like his world is gray literally, literally if you look at the set design yeah. and the costuming like for her she's black and she's wearing a red, sh- a red top and like the apartment mm-hmm. and her friend's apartment um Maxine's apartment is like this mm-hmm. opulent because there's like teal and burgundy and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. then his life, his his apartment is like gray, like shades of gray and like lilac and everything. And I mm-hmm. like how they juxtapose their personalities and the yes. way how it fits into the storyline is like they have to help each other. Like and and mm-hmm. that's something a trend I've been noticing in a lot of the 
shows that I've been watching. Like I like where is where you have this whole thing where people are supposed to help each other. No one can exist by themselves. No man is an island unto himself, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the premise of this show. And I like how everything. I just like the this, the design. I like how the time loop plays out, and I like how things are explained. Mm-hmm. And also, she's a video game programmer, and that's yes. a character we don't see. We don't see women portraying those kind of characters mm-hmm. on TV very often. So I think that's also a very important point. Yes. So I watched Russian Doll too, but I wasn't gonna feature it. But I'm so glad you you talked about it just because I loved everything you've talked about. How I didn't see the plot, like the point of it being acceptance. I didn't see that coming mm-hmm. until, like you said, like the last three episodes. And then I had to rewatch. I had to rewind the part. To yeah. Like, oh, that's what it's about, and that's why this is happening. And then the ending leaves you wondering, like, is this a limited series, or will there be more? Because what do you do after this? Like, it, the ending kind of left me with, like, I'm content, but I also want more. <laughs> like, I want to see where the story goes if, from there. If we get a second season, I, would, I wouldn't I would mind a second season because the way how they ended mm-hmm. it is kind of like a definitive ending because it shows, yeah. like, the two paths converging and then they become, then they yeah. lined up. So, like, how we always mm-hmm. see in, um, for instance, in fiction and, like, for instance, if you go with, like, sci-fi where you all we we, all, we we know there's a whole possibility of alternate dimensions and there's alternate realities and for this one they talk mm-hmm. about that because they talk about the fourth dimension yeah. and how there's alternate realities but what i found interesting and this is like and i don't think it's necessarily a spoiler because it's the way how it shows how it's shown that really matters is mm-hmm. they're showing that you can actually have two timelines converge at the same time and they yes. match it perfectly and it does and, mm-hmm. and and it doesn't actually destroy like, because, you know, we say, like, two things can exist yeah. in the same space at the same time. But they kind of actually kind of yeah. show they kind of do because those two timelines and those stories converge and they become one linear storyline. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out at the end. Right. I would love that because what if that's going to bring it into more of like, oh, we can't exist in the same timeline because technically we were in separate time. Like, because with time travel and timelines and just all these things, you can kind of go anywhere with it. There's not really a limit. Yeah. Because the rules, I feel like the rules with time travel are with most people is like, oh, well, we're here now. So this is timeline A. This is timeline B. And we did something here and messed it up. So now we're in timeline A1. So it's like all these different levels to it that can be brought into it. But then I feel like you said with this show it's not like the usual time travel loop show because at the end it isn't like they're both in separate realities they're now in the same reality or but, like they have now become one that's I'm what thinking, i was like, thinking the i was thinking that they're technically there are two separate story two separate separate timelines but they're two separate mm-hmm. timelines telling the same story so that's the way i yes. saw it so it's like they're not yeah. like you have 10 10 timelines telling 10 alternate stories with the same people mm-hmm. for me it was like even if there are 10 out of the 10, there's going to be two mm-hmm. telling the same story with the same character. So that's the way I was yes. seeing it. So that's an um, so that's oh, yeah. an interesting way, that interesting way that they kind of mm-hmm. like interpreted how time can yeah. converge and be different and be the same at the same time. Also just decisions too. Like when you think about it, like the decisions you make can alter like your destiny. Yeah. And I think that was also like that was that really came into play in like the last four to five episodes. And then but like the, just the level of humor in it i loved it i love the tone dying. it was dying i was just dying. like the stairs the stairs I was just like, crap me up every I was, time <laughs> i was just like i'm like okay she's died 12 times because she could just not get past the stairs i'm like oh what is this telling us because i'm just like this is like me on monday when i went to go take the stairs i'm like oh god i could die on these stairs listen for me it was the elevator oh. i have a thing about elevators oh. 
I first and first, I don't like getting in elevators. I have too many people one, and I always have yes. this thing with elevators: the possibility of one like falling. And like, I mm. live on the seventeenth floor of my building. I live on the top floor, and like in terms of some pretty high mm-hmm. buildings. But I'm always like, I'm always praying, like, Lord Jesus, don't let today be the day mm-hmm. that an elevator decides to like plummet. Nope, not today. So that's like when I saw oh, I don't that like when episode, fool I was like, no. When people jump yeah. up, I'm like, why? <gasps> I need to tell them to stop. Them children can stop. Listen. But then it's like, it's just, it, it was so humorous to see, like, when she got to the point of just like, it's fine, I'll come back to life anyways. Yeah. And then, like, when they meet in the elevator and they tell it to each other, I was just like, what? There's more? But, like, at the same time, even though we knew that she would, like, come back, there were some times where I was just like, what if she doesn't come back? Because it would get, like, to points where she got so far. Yeah. I'm like, what if she doesn't come back? But... Um, that so that was like that's like an added I guess like thriller part of it but like I really I want to watch it sorry I want to watch it again because I really enjoyed like I didn't appre- I don't think I appreciated it as much the first time about how every decision she makes how many paths are connected throughout yeah. the show and how that comes to fruition later on in this se- in this season um and it's just like wow it just makes you think about your life of like i know this person who could possibly know that person who could possibly know this person and then i'm connected to this person and it's just like oh wow my my mind is just like but that's blown kinda, up and like i have a third eye now yeah that's kind of the theory there's a the whole six degrees of separation where it's like mm-hmm. you like they're saying that there's a saying and there's a, a film based on it where it's like uh, there's at least six degrees of separation between you and like like for instance me and possibly chris evans and that's mm, possible because, yes. like, I've interviewed people, yes. like, for instance, like, as an entertainment writer, I've interviewed people, like, publicists or whoever, and I've spoken mm-hmm. to celebrities who, through six, seven degrees of separation, know him personally. And then there's, like, you, through me, through mm-hmm. that kind of, and, like, so there's that whole thing, like, we are all interconnected, and that's, like, whole the, mm-hmm. the whole bit physics and relativity, and, like, everything is interconnected, and, like, we all yes. think we are alone, but, like, there's someone or something that we know that connects us to something else, and it's, like, mm-hmm. the universe is all one giant web, or I should say the universe contained to earth because we are not we don't exist our own outside our own galaxy but like mm-hmm. everything is interconnected right and that's the whole premise of the show is that's one of the underlying premises of the show like we are not alone which is the, which is what nadia tells yes. alan at the end right she's like you are she's like i can't promise you that you're going to be happy but i can promise you that you're not going to be alone and that's yes. and that's a big thing with the with the with the show because like one of the other things like as this the episode spoilers as episodes progress um let there's less and less people at the party so like the more and more she dies the less people that are existed within her Mm -hmm. world and they they came apart and i was wondering if massing knew what was going on because there's a scene where massing where massing is the only person in the house and she tells her to come and massing the way she looks at her made me think that she knew what was going on because she's like i can't she's like i can't leave with you Right, and mm-hmm. she's like, I, "This is my space, and I have to exist." And it was like, "Wait, does Maxine yes. probably know? Possibly know what's going on? Like, is Maxine some kind of like galactic angel? I don't know what. I'm just like that. There that whole scene got me thinking. Like, what, what are you? <laughs> I, her and the guy horse. I feel for sure the guy horse knew mm-hmm. what the hell was going on. And that stupid yes. cat oatmeal. I feel that cat was like Schrodinger's cat. It like doesn't really yes. exist in the space that we think it exists. Like, is it yes. re- reality? I'm like this stupid cat. I'm like this is why I'm a dog at person. At some point, we stop caring See, about but the, the cat. cat. But the cat exists. But he exists. But we like stopped caring about him. But yes. So horse, the guy who's named horse, and then Maxine. I definitely felt like they knew something. Or is it like because y'all were just like that kind of high that 
that y'all like yeah well y'all like that perceptive that something was going yeah. on like they're more aware than all the other people around them mm-hmm. and then like the people who are disappearing and like things are happening and then it's just like the like people like Maxine and Horse, like at first you feel like they're just like side characters, but I felt like they played a bigger role oh, yeah. in helping Nadia make like come to a realization, like her realization towards the end. I think they were kind of like her anchors to the react to, to that reality. Yes. They're they're like so they helped mm-hmm. her. They they were like her center point. They're like because if mm-hmm. no matter what happens, she could go back to the house, and if mm-hmm. there's no one else there, she had Maxine that she could like use as a compass and she like okay this is what i need to do if i see maxine and if she sees her she's like okay mm-hmm. this is what i need to do with regards to alan because everything she sees True. her is when she goes and looks for alan so i'm like that's there mm-hmm. that's her um those are her anchors yes. to like come back to yeah and i definitely liked how she used her like background in technology to explain what was going on yeah kind of like she's like it's like when you write a code you got to run the code see mm-hmm. if there's a problem then you go back and you do it again so like that's like she she's nadia is just super smart yeah hilarious and so like she's confident but you do also understand that she has some uh, self-doubt there are problems or, like there's some pain there's there's some yeah there's problems there's definitely problems but like she's definitely has this mask up of just like nope i'm good i'm just very straightforward and i do what i want and i like no one can tell me otherwise kind of person but then you see like the layers of her personality get peeled back slowly and like the connection she has with people you see more of it so it's just oh i just love it so much it's just one of the best it's one of the best movies that i've seen done this way mm-hmm. like i don't know what we call this genre i know it's definitely sci-fi but like as far as like i don't want to call it groundhog day because i it's feel like it, it's not it's, it's not it's not groundhog day but it's that time i guess time loop yeah is it's, what's it's a, appropriate. I would call it a time loop genre like um yeah mm-hmm. but like i, mean, yeah, I don't know if they have it one yeah there's her there's alan because like for alan her his his thing was x it was letting mm-hmm. go he her for her yes. it was about accepting and for him it was about letting go like he didn't want to really let, let go of mm-hmm. certain relationships and he 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 was so afraid of failing he was holding on to things too tightly and i guess that's also yeah. narrative as like him being a black man he was like i don't want to fail i'm tired of feeling i'm gonna do these things so i don't mm-hmm. fail all the time i don't want to fail at life i don't want to fail at work i don't want to fail at relationships and that kind of stuff so there's that there's like a lot of like uh, context to the show and which I was not mm-hmm. expecting so like I really appreciate when a show can surprise me like that yeah that's, it's just a good show I'm just gonna try to rewatch it again because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I feel like it's one of those shows you can rewatch again and you could find something else that you've missed before oh yeah there's a lot of things that I know you can miss like visual cues and stuff like there is one there's mm-hmm. like when there's a scene where she keeps walking down the street and people keep looking at her yep. but I'm like are they looking at her are they looking at the camera it felt like some of the characters are like breaking the fourth mm. wall and like directly looking at the camera looking at us like we were existing yes. with her I'm like I'm, I'm like, not tripping um, am I <laughs> no 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 cause like what's that movie um Inception. It kind of yeah. reminded me of that. It's like once the was it the subconsciousness becomes aware mm-hmm. that something is intruding it. So it kind of, that's what kind of made me think like, is it that because when she started to become aware and started making connections, it felt like, and I don't know, I guess the universe, whatever was causing her to die like when she would just get to the right to the a good point, yeah, and then come to the realization of like, oh oh what is this and then like, other weirder things were happening it's just like she would suddenly like have a, an embolism or she would suddenly like have a heart attack yeah. and she would die so like but then it was like the people then like you said when she would walk on the street and, and people were just like looking at her 
And I was just like, are they aware? Do they know what's going on? Or like, because she didn't, she didn't look crazy. She wasn't doing anything. No, she was just she walking, walking down the street. I swear to you, like, they're looking at her or looking at the camera. Because like, you said it reminds me of Inception mm. when they subconsciously become self aware. But it also reminded me of The Matrix, mm. where Neo becomes yeah. aware of The Matrix and all the Smiths, all the characters, all the people turn into the mm-hmm. Smiths because they're like, ah, well, it makes no sense hiding that we're Smiths because, like, you yes. see us for who we truly are, so take away all the disguise. So that's what it reminded mm-hmm. me of, too. So I'm like, if, I'll probably let you say watch it over because I'm sure there's a lot more things that I didn't notice um, in it. Yes. But yeah. Ugh, it's so good. Um, but, oh, my turn now. Mm-hmm. So for me, I watched The Umbrella Academy. Yes, um, I watched that one, too, but... Yeah. Yes. Oh, yay, perfect. Um, so basically, this is everything I've ever wanted for the X-Men. Uh, yeah, basically. It, yeah, it's what I've wanted for. The, I mean, it makes sense because I'm I'm assuming that. So it's written. It's based off of a comic that was written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, who is Jared Way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, oh, cool. There's even a comic book, so I'm kind of interested in going and reading the comics a bit. But like, it's like first off, the comics from what I saw, like flipping through um, some images on Google. It's very, it's drawn in a style that I like. Like it's, um, it's like most comic books. I feel like when you just have Marvel and DC, you come accustomed to like a certain style. Yeah. Whereas like this one, it's, I think I would call it unique. I like it. Um, but as far as the TV series, so it takes place in 1989, but for the life of me, I was just trying to figure out like, what year is it? Because I see no cell phones. You too. Yeah, so I, I'm not crazy. You didn't see any cell phones I either. I couldn't know, and I couldn't tell what year it was either. I'm like, so we knew, like, when they were younger, it was probably, I'm like, is it the 60s? What the well, hell? Well, no, they said, no, they said, like, in, this, in, the, in the introduction, it it's says 18, on one day. 1989. 89. In right. 1989. So we know it's after 1989. But. Um, and then, so, oh, uh, maybe we should explain the premises first. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the premise is, um, one day in 1989, just randomly, 43 women become pregnant. Right. And they weren't pregnant before. They, none of them were pregnant. So, like, there's literally a scene where a woman jumps into the pool after she just kissed the boy for the first time and she becomes pregnant mm-hmm. and she goes into labor. So, women just randomly go into labor um, and they have 43 children. And these children are basically, uh, I don't want to, they don't call them mutants, but they have, they're, they're gifted with abilities. Yes. Um, and so, this man who basically wants to be Professor X, he's a billionaire, adopts seven children of those like 43. Um, his name is Sir Reginald Hargreaves, and he creates the Umbrella Academy and to prepare his children to save the world. So, yeah, that's basically the synopsis. It's about the seven children, but then you move forward in time by like 30 years. We or, guess. We guess, because we, yeah. we are never told exactly how old they are. And we assume mm-hmm. that they're existing in our timeline so like present day but there's no actual references to present day Mm. things and I think one of the things that always throws me off with these kind of um, interpretations for comics is when you have things based in present day but then the clothing and everything is acting like okay so the thing is that that one of the things that threw me off is like some of the clothing is like from Mm -hmm. the 1950s and 1960s some of the clothing is modern day some of the clothing is like probably I wouldn't even say necessarily futuristic but like Mm -hmm. like that kind of threw threw me off with like the time I'm like what the hell is going on and like there's no references no one makes any references to the current day um Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's probably one that was on a newspaper that I found but I didn't look closely Mm -hmm. at it well and that's the thing 
But that's the thing. Like, we, the most information we get is from, like, a newspaper. Mm-hmm. We don't really see... Like, when um, Allison goes to the library, that's when the children, who's not an adult, their name, um, she's on one of the old computers where, like, you um you scroll to look at newspaper headings yeah. to, like, research. So I'm just like, what yeah. year is it? Um, and then... Oh, so the thing that brings the children... So, like, these kids, they were raised in this household and whatever. Um, but then, like, the father is basically... A more toxic Professor X, oh, if you can imagine sure. that. Where it's like he definitely didn't let the children be children. No, he forced. He basically pushed them to like in his molding. He wanted. They were supposed to be like the most smart, gifted, and talented, and they were like supposed to be superheroes at like age ten. Go on dangerous miss- missions. Like you even see them go and stop a bank heist with like. And they're, they're out, it's adorable when you think about it. And it sounds like a, any kid's dream to be a part of the Umbrella Academy, but. It's some dangerous shit that they're, you are putting children in danger and no one is stopping you. Like, cause you're that rich and you're that powerful. <laughs> like I had to think about, it, I'm like, oh, this is like probably their kids' dreams. I'm like, not really. No. They've just been trained all their lives and they have, they don't have the choice to choose any other, any other life really. Yeah. And the, um, and the difference between him and Professor S is like, Professor S has power. So if something goes wrong, he can help. Yeah. This man, mm. they're bad. He ain't got no powers. Anything happens, he mm-hmm. gonna do stand up there with his cane and just be like, "Oh wow." Mm-hmm. He got the nerve to just send children out into like a bank heist and everything. Granted, the kids are capable. The kids know what they're doing, and like their power sets are very interesting. Like Allison's power, she's um. <sighs> Yeah, Allison Hargreaves, she is the black woman. Like I can't remember like what the actress name. Let me look. At, let me like not discredit the cast. Let me look up. <laughs> Allison's name because I really want to talk about. I'll get to her. Oh, so it's it's Emmy Raver Lampman is the person who plays Allison, and like her power is rumors. So she's like, I heard a rumor, and then it becomes true for the person in her head, in their head, or like they do what she says. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like I like that. But yeah. then like, there's just like the basic power sets of like somebody can teleport themselves. Somebody can uh, has super invulnerability and strength. Other people can. <laughs> then it gets weirder where like, oh, one person can talk to the dead and control the dead. So and then one boy. They call him the Kraken. And that is played by Ben. It's ben. We talked about Ben. Oh, but what is Ben's they don't have his actor here. Uh really? I don't Oh my gosh, I saw him on Twitter. I don't see his picture. Um, I mean I don't but then I also don't see Ellen Page's picture on the cast list. Yeah, either, some, for depending some on reason. if you're looking at IMDB Sundays, they don't have the cast okay, the picture. So, yeah. But I'm like, well that's messed up because I really enjoyed Ben. But then there's like Claus is my favorite. I look up his name for He's you. He's the one that can he, Yeah. Thank you. Mm. Um what was I saying though? Sorry, I felt like I got off pe- off page. You talking about Ellen Page? Mm. Oh yeah, no, I said Ellen Page is a part of the cast. Mm-hmm. Mary J. Blige is in the cast, so like the characters and like their power sets is very interesting. That's what I liked. Um, but this is also one that deals with time travel, also because we know that they have been brought together because. Um, Mr. Sir Hargreaves, whatever, Mr. Hargreaves, their father has died. Um, so they all come back to lay him to rest. And, like, it's basically a family reunion that hasn't happened in, like, 10 years. So it brings up some bad blood between them and things that they need to work out. Basically, all the children need therapy. Mm-hmm. All of them should have had therapy once they got away from that man. Um and it's then it's this, the whole season is about them trying to figure out because one of their siblings that they thought was dead or lost for whatever comes back because he can time he was the one that could teleport 
and he actually jumped through time to the future and he finds out that the world ends and he's stuck there for oh, 40 years and then he finds a way back to them and he's trying to help them he's trying to get them to come together so they can stop the apocalypse from happening and yeah i don't want to give too much away either because i really enjoyed all of this season i mean there's characters who you're probably gonna love more than others um mary j blige as cha-cha is hilarious she is just yeah. i love mary j blige i think she's probably i love, I love her so character. much like i want more of mary j blige and like in stuff like this where she can be like badass and like be like really tough because she just walks around with a gun shooting people and taking them out so oh it's so good yeah um yeah. right so the actor's name is justin h min he plays grown-up thank Dan. you and okay so the way how this character is handled is probably my one of my least favorite things about the Umbrella mm. Academy, and the fact that if we don't see him, we don't and yeah. we don't know that he exists to them, or that he existed yes. because none of the siblings mention him. Like there's no reference yep. to say, "Oh, you remember when Bed did this?" There's no because they keep talking yeah. about the five. I'm like, there's no one is no one gonna mention that there was a sixth brother. Is there? A, I was gonna like, say that. What the heck? So like, if it was not if it wasn't for Klaus, we would never know that Ben even freaking well existed. Like, what the heck, man? So that was mm-hmm. my one of my biggest problems is like the writers kept forgetting to make references to him. Like, first any family, like if there's a missing family member, you will keep. They're, you're gonna make some kind of reference to them like no one mentions that they miss mm-hmm. him no one mentions you know what I mean like it was so weird oh no everyone's so focused on like their own things but it's like and I and okay it's like obviously y'all have some issues you need to work through yeah. as a family but like death is not e- death is not easy and I don't know I would like to have seen the part where like we find out that Ben died I want to see like did the father not like allow them to grieve properly maybe, like is he the reason but... why like I don't know I mean like that's something that made me think like because I feel like Claus is the only Claus is the only one that really acknowledges Ben's death assisted. but it's only between him and Ben right and I'm, I, that was so weird to me and like yeah Klaus doesn't mention him to anyone else like they know right. that he can literally see dead people so if he was to say like mm-hmm. oh I like Ben and I were thinking it should not like that should become a, that should be to me a regular thing like yeah. like if they it see should. him talking to someone they'd be like oh he's talking to Ben and they and like they, he, yeah. like you know what I mean it's just so weird I think that's a big failing in the, in the writers and and other than bother me mm-hmm. is because he's Asian American he's Asian mm. and uh, apart from Mary J. Blige but no, we can get into that Apart from mm-hmm. Mary J. Blige, the show is quite white. Um, yes. So there's Mary J. Blige, sorry, and Allison. Allison, the actress, yeah. is black. So literally, we have yeah. two black women, and and then there's Ben, and then one of the other characters for um, that worked in yes. the time place, one of the secretaries or whatever. She's black, but she's like a super super minor character. She has like two lanes, whatever. And then we but- have what's his name? Sorry, I think it is. Uh, he was the brother who was the vigilante. Um. Diego. Diego. Yeah. Yes. He's played by. Wait, that's not him. I don't think that's him. Pictures are terrible. I can't tell. What are you looking? Are you looking at IMDb? I'm looking at Google. No, girl. Look at (laughs) IMDb.com. I should just do that. (laughs) My bad. IMDb. IMDb. Um, Um, That he's played by David Castaneda. Um, Yes. Okay. 
But yeah, and then, like that's really all the representation we get. Yeah, and it's like, but can we mention how no one listens to Allison, the black woman who like gives basically the plan of what they should have done to avoid, like, had they just listened to Allison from the freaking get go, the last four episodes had they just listened to Allison a lot of things could have been avoided and Luther's big old my dad sent me to the moon and I'm number one still I'm like okay you need to let go of like your dad and holding him to some kind of standard because like just because you were number one doesn't mean you were the favorite and he thinks that allows him to pull rank I'm like you make terrible decisions exactly. Luther you made terrible terrible decisions and you should have just listened to Allison and then you've Allison been on the move for four years what do you know what's going on you don't know what's going on you've you been on the move for four years know what's going right you don't know what's going on Allison was on the right track from the get-go like that was like my biggest thing is like why did no one listen to her is she the only black woman i guess what happened at the mm-hmm. end it ended up literally taking her voice what right and i i was just like i get because her power is from her voice but mm. at the same time you literally cut the only I'm person irked. talking sense and you cut her voice out you literally you literally shut the black I'm, woman up yep you shut her up and she just like now she has to like use other people to, sp- to speak up for her and i'm just like mm. Oh, this is going to be worse. Context. This is going to be so much worse. But it's just, oh, that's, and that's such a good point. But it's just like, I wanted so much for them to just like, okay, Allison is smart. Y'all need to like make her number one. Why isn't Allison number one? <laughs> or why are y'all still listening to Luther? Um, but yeah, sorry. But to move on to the point, when it comes to Ben and Allison, I hope like with the C, because you finished the series, right? Yeah. Okay, so from the finale that we had, I'm hoping that whatever happens, that means it's almost going to be like a redo for some of the characters. I'm hoping that means... They they, they go back to when they were younger. Yes, so so it looks like they go go back to when they're younger. So I'm hoping that heals Allison so her voice is is repaired. I hope that that brings Ben back to life Mm -hmm. because he was there. Yeah, we saw the younger him. But but we hope that he's actually alive instead of just ghost Ben. Yeah, that he's not ghost younger Ben. And then, I mean, it, it, it could be interesting if they're just going to jump back to the point where they need to make everything right with the person that caused the apocalypse. I don't want to give that I don't want to give that big reveal away cuz I think that's a really good a really good thing. It was a good thing. Um, they handled that part well, but another ag- mm-hmm. again, stu- okay, my Yes, no, go this ahead. Show, Get it out. A lot it's of characters made some extremely stupid decisions. Yes. And I will be honest, yes. Allison was one mm-hmm. of them. And I think mm-hmm. she she made literally, so this is literally the biggest, the stupidest decision I've seen in mm-hmm. fiction in a long time. And the fact yeah. that, you know, this chick is capable of literally destroying the world. And yes. yeah, she may be your sister. But bitch, mm-hmm. shooter. <laughs> like, did you see what happened to the freaking moon? Yes. I'm like, yep. you see this thing, and you're gonna be like, uh, no, kill her. Like, you literally sacrificed like... the world. You literally sacrificed the a world for this one yep. person. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, is no one gonna look up through the skylight and see what happened? I'm like, no one. I'm like, Allison. No one. Girl. Oh, and it's just like, I almost wanted to shout at number five. I'm sorry, I can't remember his his actual name because they kept on saying five. Yeah. But Did we ever I get was his just phone like, name? you need to jump. Uh, hmm. 
I don't think they they always kept referring to him as five. five. I think he's the only one that they yeah he, even in the IMDb he's um number five. Yeah, so number five. So <laughs> I just really wanted him to be like, okay, I see it. Great. I'm jumping back 20 more minutes. I'll be right back, everybody. Mm-hmm. So just like, or to the point where just, again, therapy is a powerful thing. And I think it's very obvious. All of them could benefit some, from some group therapy because a lot. number seven, Ellen Page's character, mm. and her, their father was a terrible person mm-hmm. and, he, and he can't admit that he was wrong. So rather than admit that you were wrong about somebody, you think that putting, making them feel like crap and making them feel like they're not special is the answer to repress their powers, powers that are so powerful. That you basically no caused her to become, what is that? You basically caused her to become Dark Phoenix. That made no you made sense. your own Dark Phoenix. That made no it's sense. It's just like Charles. It's just like Charles knew yeah, the Dark Phoenix was inside of Gene and he tried to repress it and look what you did. Dark Phoenix is still here. And that trope is one, just, that trope is one of the tropes that irks me in fiction where I, instead yes. of being upfront and explaining ish to you, I'm going to keep a secret mm-hmm. and put everyone in danger. Like, secrets does not protect anyone. It always no. puts lives in danger. Ignorance is not yep. bliss. Ignorance is dangerous. Like, because the truth will set them free, and when they're free, they gonna wild out. Exactly, and he that's what she he did. Gonna set her down, and he's like, "Listen, seven, mm-hmm. you have powers, mm-hmm. and your powers need to be managed." And yes. we, are, I'm going to give you these pills for the time being until we can figure out a way to manage mm-hmm. your powers. He could have sat her because she wasn't like, a, she wasn't like two, three years old. Like from the way I'm looking at her, like that happened when she was around yeah. like seven, eight. They were like, she would have been able to understand, yeah, to rationalize things at that age. Like he could have explained it to her, like, but telling her that she didn't have powers and making right. her and others feel. And the other part that problem blame me that bugged me too is that Seven blamed Allison because the doctor made Allison. Right. Right. I'm like she was a child like she didn't know what was going on she was following her father's orders it's not Allison's fault that you are the way you are it's your father's fault why are you mad at the black woman it's just who, who's been reaching out to you and be like listen I love you I, I want to help you I don't know what's going on because even Allison was like oh that's what happened she was like I'm so sorry and she explained I'm like this oh my gosh this show has so much potential and There's, then you believe ugh. the man oh, and then you believe the man that you just really just met <laughs> And because he, no offense, I understand like she's vulnerable. She has low self-esteem about herself and like she doesn't feel like her family cares about her or something. And she's trying to deal with that. But ma'am, ma'am, you don't believe the first person who says they love you takes you to a secluded area to then um, basically like manipulate you and separate you from your family. That is toxic behavior. Right. That's toxic. Everything about that was toxic. He's manipulating you, removing you from your family. He's trying to control you. And then it's just like, I, I like that her real, but her realization when it all comes through is that like, it's just so much. But Ellen Page does a great job as the character. But like the character, like you said, the character tropes are something else just like let's blame the person who didn't ha- who didn't want to do it but did it because they were following your father's orders and that's the person you're mad at now right like oops Uh-oh. and technical difficulties people and um so no i'm problem. gonna continue talking <laughs> no problem take your time and the other big plot hole that bugged me the whole time i was watching the show uh mm-hmm. okay so how much kids were born with uh, were born that day it was what yeah. 49 
43. 43. I mean, actually, let me just double check. I just had it pulled up. 43. Uh-huh. And then he, the doctor, yep, took 43. seven. So what happened mm-hmm. to the others? Do they also have right. superpowers? We should be hearing about other people with superpowers. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand this. Yes, I wanted I wanted that to come through. Was it like because this is happening what we assume to be 30, 20 years later in the future or whatever. Well, over they're all like under 30. We know that much cuz they're born in 1989. Yeah. Um so it's just I want to know, like, was that a part of their past? Did they run into other children who maybe, like, became villains? Or did, like, other people, like, did Russia... Right, like, did Russia hold on to some of the kids? Or, like, you know, like, countries try to, like, make the kids weapons. Like, the the other countries try to form their own umbrella academy. Right. And do the same thing. No one tried to do that. Like, right? Because there's 43 of y'all, and I would think at some point it would be, you know, beneficial for all the kids to, like know one another just like the x-men need one another so they're not hated <laughs> or and can like find i guess refuge in a community right but no, it's, a, it's such just, a big plot hole like that bugged me the entire time i was expecting some kind of mm-hmm. reference to like a superhero like a superhero yeah. sighting or something because like if you want like and i want I, no. maybe maybe that'll come into play later on down the line because i think that's why i, I really want to read the comic because like okay i want to know more about this world i'm interested but back to what we said about earlier about like the timeline not the timeline but like a bunch of problems could have been solved with cell phones mm. so i don't know if that was just done purposely where we don't see any cell phones everyone uses a payphone. everyone uses a payphone. but like we know they are in modern times because like allison is a movie star and they're talking about her but then like people are like reading magazines and i don't really i think maybe you see a laptop but like every setting it's like gotham it's like the it's like the, the show the the show on fox gotham where it's like you know it's probably 1980 but everything looks like the 50s yeah like, that was the most weirdest part of it all um but i mean i really i enjoyed it um luther is the worst for not listening to allison until it was too late and allison even though you loved your sister i kind of wanted you to like incapacitate her something they, they i don't know knock her out. she needed to die like she needed to be knocked out that's when it, and it's just oh i did think she was gonna kill her though Almost, but then I'm like, nah, she ain't gonna do that. But y'all still, it's like, what is it? The self fulfilling prophecy of still like the apocalypse still happened, and it's still y'all fault. It wasn't that y'all had to stop something from happening; it's that the actions that y'all did caused the apocalypse Basically, to happen in the first place. Like whatever decisions you really, would do, would always lead up to this this one result. Yes, it's the sins of their father that led them to, and it's his. And it, and it, huh? I'm sorry, I'm not gonna reveal that spoiler, but it's his fault. And he ain't there to fix it. Mm, right. It's it's his fault. And it's he has called he caused the apocalypse because of his terrible influence on these children and how he treated them and how he treated her. It's all his fault. And we're gonna end it there because I could talk about this show for forever. Um, um Okay, and now we will move on to the movie corner. You're right. Um, so what did you see? Um, I saw quite a few films, but the one I want to talk about today is um, Shoplifters. And it's a Japanese mm. film written and directed by Hirokazu, um, Hirokazu Koreeda. And it's about a family of small-time crooks who take in a child they find outside in a cold. Now, I love this film. And I kind of like um, 
kind of like Russian doll. Like the film is about found family. Mm-hmm. Like who who you make. Like sometimes the best family is a family that you make that you make yourself, the family that you choose rather than a family that you're born into. And and it's a moving film. Like I cried at the end. It was like no, it was all in emotions. Um, so and the the so the the show the film focuses around um five main characters: um Osamu, Mm -hmm. Shibata, his wife Nobuyo, her sister, um. Her sister, the grandmother, which is um, Hatsu, and then there's the two kids, um, Shota and Yuri. Now, I love Mm. these two children. Like, they're so smart, and the little girl is so adorable, and she's so cute. And the thing is with these families, as it says in the synopsis, they're small-time crooks in the fact that, yes, Osamu, like, has a job. Nobuyo has a job. Like, the grandmother, she's retired, Mm. and the sister, she has a job. But they still rely on, like, not necessarily pick well they they pick pocket and they like will go to like supermarkets and like steal from the supermarkets and that kind of stuff and like to mm-hmm. get for food and and thing but like you relate to them and you you connect to them and like you look at this family you're like they're existing in their own world and the way how mm-hmm. the director um Cordata shoots the, the the film is like it's very intimate so like you'll see like characters talking and the way the camera is it feels like you're in the room with them sitting on watching them have this discussion and mm-hmm. I like when film when uh, filmmakers do that where it makes you feel like you're with the people instead of just like observing from like far away like the camera's placed far away um, and I I, I re- the grandmother, which is Hatsu, she reminded me of my granny. Like she looks so much Aww. like her, and the way she talks and the way she and the way and her mannerisms remind me of my grandmother a lot. And mm-hmm. um and this film kind of broke my heart because, like, there's like it makes you think about there are people who are existing in the world, and you're like, what is their life like? Like you see kids, and you're like, what is their life like at home? And for and for this mm-hmm. one, like the little girl. Yuri, um, she's she's abused and neglected, and so they take mm. her in. Like they literally see her one night sitting in her uh, at home. We would call it a veranda, but you guys would call it a what? You guys call it a balcony, right? Um, okay. So I was thinking because in Barbados we call it we would say a veranda or a gallery, but I was like trying mm. to think North American would say like um, balcony. So like they're watching her and they're sitting there and they're like, oh, it's cold outside, and her family there's no one there and. They literally just mm-hmm. take her up and take her home and feed her, and like they just never oh. take her back home, and and then it's like, and as you're watching, you're like, if she should go back home, like, do you want her to go back home just because her mom gave birth to her, like, because yeah, these are her parents by law, and like her mom gave birth to her, um, but you're like. Mm-hmm. Is that what really family is like? And then you then you think, okay, if government was to become involved, like then it'll take me a whole process and it's like kidnapping or whatever. And there's a line that the mother says, Nobuyo, she says, just because I didn't give birth to her doesn't mean doesn't mean that I'm not her mother. She like does she's cause she herself couldn't have children. Oops, spoiler. And but it's like mm-hmm. does what does being able to have a child make someone a parent right mm-hmm. and i i yes. love that they talk about sure. about talk about that because like there's so many people who are in who are in families where the families neglect them or they mistreat them or they give them like they're they're not good for their mental health or their physical health but people are like that's your mom and that's your dad you have to respect them i'm like but do i do do, mm. do i do i have to respect someone do i have to stay around people who are bad for my my health mentally and like that's kind of one of the things the film addresses and i think it handles it really brilliantly and i love the cinematography Wow. For the for the film, and um, one of my favorite shots in the film is 
So they're in this house and it's one of the first times you get like the spatial aspect of how small their house is because you see like apartment buildings, but then there's a scene, there's like a celebration going on. I think it's the New Year celebration. And the, the camera pans mm-hmm. up from inside their house, comes outside, watches them on their um, patio and like fireworks mm-hmm. are going off and then like the camera pans and it's like this beautiful sweeping motion and it goes up and you realize their house is literally an island so it's like this little house surrounded mm-hmm. by all of these big apartment buildings and it's like ice yeah. and it's like this is their their own little enclave their own little um home and everything i just love the film it's so beautiful i would recommend anyone to go watch it um it was actually nominated for oscar for best um foreign film it did not win because mm-hmm. that went to um roma but um uh. But it's a, it's a, I, it premiered at TIFF and I didn't see it at TIFF. I actually, I saw it in February. So, but I was, it's probably one of my favorite films of 2019. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I do appreciate the stories where it's like family is not always blood Mm-mm. and you get to, you can shoot, you can find your family. Yep. Like, I think that's a really important story because like going back to Russian Doll, it's kind of like you're not always, you don't have to feel like you're alone Yeah, all the time. You don't have to, you're never always alone because you can find and make your own family exactly. in this world if you don't have your own family and like whatever the circumstances are, um, I think that's like a beautiful story to be told because then it makes people feel like I'm not so alone there's always some connection out there Mm -hmm. and then like and you can build and make your own family to like what like it could be like me and you are friends and I consider you to be like a great person in my life and then that can build into something see I know oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) but it's like that's like the beautiful thing is like family and community is what we make it and it doesn't always have to be blood it can always be like something more than that or it's a or like yeah, I think I said that right. It can always be something more or it can like be so many different connections that go throughout your life. So I think that's a beautiful story. I want to check that out. No, watch uh, it. Is I it mean, streaming? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's available for streaming now. It might be okay. on Hulu. I, don't, I know it's not on Netflix yet, but... Um, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's beautiful in the ending. Like there's very few films where I watch. I'm like, okay, it deserves a second part. But I feel this... I'm like, this film, mm. just for my own personal well-being, <laughs> needs to have a, mm-hmm. a, a second part or a short film to be like, can we give them a... Can we just give this ending a bit more? Because I'm like, the ending kind of yeah. broke my heart. It's realistic. Aww. But I was like, I want more. Like, give me like an epilogue of this family just just give yeah. me more and like I love that and I just love the actors and the two young actors um Joe Kaidi who plays Shota and Miyu Sasaki mm-hmm. who plays Yuri like they're amazing they, they were amazing and I can't wait to see what they do um mm-hmm. and in the future like I'm looking forward to seeing them like get like really good careers in the future like they were like they're brilliant that's great awesome um oh in my turn so I saw and God forgive me if I mess up this title because I know I did when I recorded it with Kate. Um, Battle Angel Alita. Oh or, yeah, no, dang it, Alita ba- Battle Angel. The, <laughs> so Battle that one Angel yet. Alita. Yeah, that one is Battle Angel Alita is also correct because like there's the OVA, um, and then there's like the movie is Alita colon Battle Angel. Oh okay. So the live action movie. Mm-hmm. So I actually watched both this month in preparation. Um, and I'm kind of going, I'm not going to like talk about like how I did with the, on did you have to, cause there were some parts I wanted to talk about with, um, you, I don't know if you've seen, did you, did you see it by chance? I haven't seen it as yet. I do want to watch it. Um, mm-hmm. cause it is, I would, I would recommend it. I know you and Kate like say, it. I liked it and it, I like it for reasons where like, so when it comes to anime adaptations, I think that one thing people don't do right is that they don't 
bring in the elements of the anime even when it's the weird stuff even when it's like the stuff that doesn't make sense of that we may not culturally get yeah still bring them in over like i think it's getting better but it, it's like you don't have to rewrite everything to make it make sense like i always use the example of dragon ball evolution where you don't have to make goku a teenager in high school you can just tell the story like it is i'm mm. oh, sorry you would we want to say something? No, no, no. I'm, I was going to say with regards to what you're saying, you don't have there's like things for references, but that's always the big the, the big challenge mm-hmm. of North American remakes of like foreign yeah. um, foreign like properties, especially anime and Korean mm-hmm. and Chinese in the fact that like uh, so much things are, are I call them um, are lost in translation or it's not just a translation mm-hmm. but like studios and the execs and maybe even the directors if they're let's face it white they're gonna be like mm-hmm. oh we don't understand this or we don't fully grasp the yeah. concept of it so therefore the audience may not get it or understand it completely ignoring the fact that yeah. the audience is the people who have been watching the original anime and the original properties for way longer than the directors or the producers and execs have been even doing like and like so mm-hmm. like and I know people are talking about that. Um, like people are saying, like for Alita, like there's certain things that that were left out that could have been translated into film, and that's always one of my yeah, biggest concerns with like um Asian properties being translated into North American markets because there's so much that is lost, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, we we can probably get into that later on, but continue with the film because I oh yeah um but no you're right so like that's something that even though it doesn't get everything in there I think it does a good job of putting some of it yeah. in there so like um. Where like some parts in anime, there's like a very intense confession of love, mm-hmm. and it may seem one-sided, which just like in the anime, it is like that in the movie, and that was like something that bothered me. But I'm just like ah, because it is just like in the anime. Like Alita is so head over heels for the first boy she saw. It is just it is the Little Mermaid syndrome of <laughs> she fell in love with him. Yeah, and is that the guy she gives her heart literally gives her heart too. She like I give you she my heart. She literally it had takes it out of her chest. Is like you can have my heart, you can sell my heart, you can give me a cheaper heart, and then. We'll be rich and we can move to Zalem together. And I'm just like, girl, chill, <laughs> chill down. You guys stop this right now. But I think it's because we see Alita really become like grow yeah. from like, um, because when she, when we're introduced to her, she has a very like childlike innocence to her. Right. But then like over the course of time of like, see, like uh, through the movie, you see her grow and become like her own person mm-hmm. and like her own, like she comes into her womanhood. But um, I should say like Alita is a cyber a cyborg that is um, rebuilt by like he, she's found in a dump, but she's rebuilt by um, Christoph Waltz character, da- Dr. Ida. Yeah. Ida. And I mean, the one biggest gripe that I know a lot of people have, and this is usually what I have when it comes to anime adaptations is whitewashing. Mm. So, but like, I think me and Kate got into the discussion and our guest, Hector Navarro, um, actually, let me make sure I like saying that his handle is Hector is funny on Twitter. Hector. Yep. I did say that right. Yay. Hector Navarro. So he joined us for the discussion. Um, and we kind of talked about, it's like when it comes to live adaptations and when it comes to like source material, I think I've come to the point where it's like in the anime that he's portrayed, the character is like he's white presenting he's european to me like he's like he looks european because blonde hair blue eyes he's white but he has a japanese name and i feel like 
something like it could have been addressed where like he definitely could have been an Asian character because and they could have kept his name. So like that was something that like this movie really made me think more about is like do you go with the character design of the source material or do you go with the cultural name of the character? Like when it comes to casting, I think that's something I will want to like examine more with live action adaptations because which is more respectful or like which one is more appropriate? And like Why that really got me thinking actor? about it. True, they could have just gotten an Asian actor, and it could, they still could have like had him with the same with the same character design, and it's just like one of, that was like the point I made. It's just like it's one of those from like, well, did y'all choose it this way? Did you choose it that way? But what I did enjoy about the movie um, was definitely uh, Robert Rodriguez, the way Robert Rodriguez like built out the world. Mm-hmm. It's like so the synopsis is that a war happened five hundred years ago. And now the place where they are, it's the only place that's livable. So like there's so many cultures mixed in in the background. So the, so the anime is very white. It is very, very, very white. Mm. But like he brought in a lot of cultural references, like um, I would say Latinx references into the world. And he built it like throughout. So like you hear people talking in Spanish in the background, like you hear like so I'm like, I appreciated that he brought in more elements. And so like you can guess that maybe they are where they were originally is now like, you know, uh, like a Latin like maybe it was like a Latin, the Latin area of the U.S. Like we were at least taken to the point like it's post-apocalyptic U.S. So that maybe they're right on the border of Mexico. So I'm like, I appreciate like that stuff. I appreciate adding in more characters of color. But I did wish that like the nurse who's black, she has maybe four lines, but we see her the whole time. So I'm just kind of like, I wish she had more agency. And I also wish that like Alita had more agency outside of talking about her love for the boy and Mm. he the boy irks my nerves but that was the thing i said is like it definitely doesn't pass the clarkisha kent test where like alita is constantly talking about that boy and like how like like we see her give her heart to him basically and all this other stuff and i really wanted to see her like talk to lana because lana lana condor is in the movie and lana condor has like five yeah, she has like four lines. What? I did so not that was that. like one of my gripes where it's like we have such a diverse movie, but like the characters don't really have any agency. And I don't know if it's because like one time in pacing and mm. like so like I always have to take that into consideration. But like also I don't think Lana Condor's character wasn't a part of the OVA, like the sorry, the anime movie. So that's a thing. Like she was written in there, and I just I think I would have appreciated seeing her and Alita have a community, like have a friendship more. Like we knew they were friends, but I wanted to see them inter- interact without the boys around them. Right. Like so, like actually have a conversation. Like Alita is basically like a teenager when we're introduced to her, and you think like she's trying to recover her memories. I think it would have been cool for her to relate to another teenage girl. Yeah. And like talk talk to somebody who can like talk about her feelings with and like talk about her insecurities with of like I can't remember my past and like I think it would have been awesome to see that but that's not even that's not from the source material, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I do appreciate that the story does tell a story of her as a young woman coming into her own as a woman like becoming her own person and making her own decisions even though they may be problematic giving your heart to a boy you just met a month ago yeah. um and. Um, Lizzie Garcia she's also part of the Why Though um, community she made some good points about the film I felt like did have an opportunity to say something about um, people with disabilities 
Right. But it do, it didn't really, and I think she said, I can't find the quote or the tweet, but she says like they it felt like the film was trying to do that, but it didn't do that. Mm. So I don't know if they I don't know if they were trying to do that. If that was a message they were trying to get across, I think that would have been. I think that would have been impressive if they kind of got that narrative in there better because it kind of feels like, oh, they did maybe miss an opportunity to talk about that when Alita, like, in the movie, the first body she gets is the body of um, the doctor's daughter who has died. And the doctor's daughter was actually, I believe she was paralyzed from the waist down. And he was building a body for her to help her be able to move around easier because his daughter, like he says, his daughter wanted to be able to run and do everything like the other kids. So I'm like, okay, maybe that was the opportunity to say something about it. I don't know when, because I don't want to feel like I'm talking for anyone with disabilities, but I do agree with Lizzie's point about like, oh, it could have been an opportunity to say something on it. And we're like, people are like can enhance their bodies like there's people who choose to be cyborgs who choose to like enable their bodies with these abilities like huh that's something that could have been said too um and the plot is it gets deeper of like other things that are going on in the world um but yeah i feel like i'm going down a rabbit hole i'm sorry no it's okay i understand (laughs) the point is the point is as a live action adaptation like of an anime i liked it I think it did a really good job of adapting the good and bad things mm. without trying to write it off. Right. So I think it, it did a really good job. And it's like the world is beautiful to look at. I love like sci-fi and like just like, I don't want to say mechs, but like tech, like tech. I like the technology of the world, but also the grounded feeling of the world where it's like you, all these people are living in the slums and like the discourse of they all want to get to like the world above them and all this other, and like that's a strife issue. And I, I'm really, oh, you go. That's that boy's name. I just really did not like him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate selfish people. I hate, I, I hate selfish people who use their selfishness as an excuse for their gene for their dreams yeah it's just it's so annoying um but that's just like something i hate in anime and in live action but i'm sorry like you i know you said you wanted to say some make some comments on it mm, right no so my only thing was like with adaptations with North American adaptations like there's a lot like you you like you 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 were like do i want them to make them because i want everyone to know about these properties but then it's like mm-hmm. you, if you're gonna lose all if you're gonna lose the best thing about these these shows and these films into making them more what the execs think is more palatable to North American mm-hmm. um, audiences because like you know that's all they really yeah. care about. It's like do I even bother? Like the biggest example I could think of right now is like you have they want to do Train to Busan, they oh. want to do and uh, and they want to do is just even thinking about it now is like annoying me. Is Strong Woman do Bonsoon and they want to put Ron mm-hmm. and Rosie to play uh, no. Soon. I'm like excuse me, you're missing the whole freaking point of the show. Like That's the not whole the point, point of Shawn Dubonso is you have a small woman. Like I'm five feet. She's like my height. The actress is my height. She's small. She's tiny. And like she's like the strongest person in the world. And like people underestimate her big by looking at her. And that's the whole premise is like mm-hmm. you underestimate women and you don't know the strength that women yes. have. And like you're gonna go and put Ron, when you look at Ronda Rousey, you know you're looking at Ronda Rousey. There's some actors yes. when you're playing roles that like you forget who they are because they get so you get so immersed in the character. But when you look mm-hmm. at Ronda Rousey in a film, you know that's Ronda Rousey. Like she's an MMA fighter. Rousey. Like why would you get an MMA uh, an MMA fighter of all people <laughs> to play this character? First of all, she's white. It just defeats the story, and it's like that's that's my point. I would rather if like and I, I love they, like they could have gone when... with an Asian actress, uh, Asian American actress one, but you're gonna go for an MMA. Yes. Act, like that's the point. That's the, 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 
Get Lana, Con- Lana Condor. Lana yeah, Condor. Lana it can Condor is that- someone that we don't know. Somebody. Like, we, can, we, need more, that we need more actors and actresses that that need chances. And like, yeah, Lana Condor, because yes. she, has, she has like similar to stature. I'm like, why would you go for tall Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey because they're who's going a, literally a fighter and the thing with like if you watch Strong Woman Dubonso is the fact she doesn't know how mm. to fight she doesn't have the technique like she she fights but it's like raw and like she throws yeah. a punch and it's like raw there's no it's technique like... behind her it's like what like and that's one of the one yeah. biggest issues with like North American productions when they remake Asian properties or foreign films you you think you want it, you think you know what the audience wants, but like that's not what the audience wants. That's what the execs think. That's what the white men mm-hmm. in these big positions. That's what they think people want. It's like no, it's not. If you're gonna do if you're gonna do a bad job, don't even bother to do it at all. Like, just leave it, and we can watch the original property as is. Exactly. Like there's some things I don't want to see ad- adapted, mm. but I'm like, cause like <laughs> with the what with our show, like did you, did you have to? That's literally why we call it. Did you have did to? You because have to. we look at it and we examine it and we're like, nope. was this necessary? Did this have to happen? And majority of the time, it's like, like, no, no, it did not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. Like when there's stuff where okay, so the loop on the third movie, mm-hmm. yes, because it had the range. And it had the character, and it had the plot, and it had, like they did a really good job. Like that is an adaptation where I will say like that is perfection for me because the plot they didn't have to like take away anything from it. The like the fantasticalness of it, the creativity of it, the characters are great, everything's great, the casting is awesome, and the plot is just like a loop in the third movie plot would be. It's ridiculous and crazy and over the top, but it works. Right. And it's a spy thriller. So you can do that with that genre. But then there's things like with Train to Busan. One, we already have it. We already have it. So it's not an adaptation. It's really a remake. It's just like, what's that movie where um, the dad goes dancing and he enters a, d- a dance competition? Or no, even while you were sleeping. That's not an adaptation. That's a remake. That because that's something that was definitely a Korean drama, or was it, that a Korean um, movie? That was I think it was a K drama movie. Um, while you were sleeping, I think it was based on a webtoon. Okay, so now this now here's the difference. So like you mentioned, but it was also I know it was also like a live action one too. I possibly right? it may have been either. Okay. Uh, I think it was if anything, it probably would have been based off of a Thai. But I think it was based off of a webtoon. Mm-hmm. And then there's other shows. A lot of the shows are based off of webtoon, like Clean Come um, Clean with Passion for Us based on a webtoon. Strong Woman Dubon, mm-hmm. so I think is based on a webtoon. Like a mm-hmm. lot of them are based on webtoons. And the thing is, is like that you mentioned Lupin the third. Like you mentioned Lupin. Now, the yeah. thing with Lupin and a lot of the adaptations that you guys cover in But Did You Have To uh, podcast is a lot of them are made by Asian production yes. companies. So like, even though they may have done like a shitty job of like remaking them <laughs> because like the acting is possibly horrible or the production mm-hmm. quality and the VFS is bad. But like there are certain things that they don't lose because they're Asian. They, they're Asian production companies right. remaking Asian properties. Mm-hmm. And like they, they, they know how to interpret certain things to screen and they're like, okay, we know this is a cultural reference that we can keep this cultural reference in the live adaptation. Yes. Now the difference is with North American studios, there's things yeah. that they want to remake and they they things that have cultural significance in them that they would completely mm-hmm. remove because they don't understand right like for mm-hmm. instance there's one coming up um it's about i can't remember the name but it's about a is young it your girl name? And the, 
Is it your name where they, they yep. switch bodies, right? Because I saw yes. that and it's actually yes. way to watch this where they switch bodies and like people are talking about like, one of the things that allows them to switch has to do with like the <sighs> Japanese culture. And they're like, so what people are like, what are they going to do? They're going to have them go to Burger King and eat this thing because they don't understand the cultural significance of this Japanese dish. And it's like mm-hmm. these things like to um, uh, like to uh, North American studio six, the white people, they're like, oh, we can just like do, do like substitute. And it's like, no, because like the, the, what the beauty of it is in this particular thing right like it's not like you you guys miss it which which there is a huge part of the movie that like i don't know if anyone who's seen the anime the the anime movie is like there's a huge part of the movie that deals with like a very um sacred cultural tradition for one of the characters right like one the, the girl who's the main character she her family owns a shrine and so she's a shrine right. maiden and like there's a whole there's a ceremony that they do mm-hmm. and it and that ceremony plays a big part in the movie so taking that away loses so much of the story i'm like don't even call it your name don't right. even make like if you want to take that concept and make a movie call something it something else. else and write because it's just like how i felt about dragon ball evolution oh. call it something else don't even call it what it's you like called it because it's ever. not it it is it is a sin it is blasphemous we do not acknowledge it we we it is terrible but my point like what you said with like your name there's a bunch there's so many parts in that movie that i feel like they're just gonna rewrite it and it's gonna be some kind of like comedy which like yes the movie itself does have some humor in it but there's also some deeper things going on Mm -hmm. in the movie and they play a big part in the movie exactly and you can't you can't erase this whole thing going on with the girl and their shrine and their family's history and, th- and like things that they're doing because they play a big part in the movie and I would just hate it to see like what are y'all gonna do to this right. like what do y- y'all can't just leave it alone exactly leave and like, even if they keep it in it's like the way it was gonna be interpreted because you think that North America mm-hmm. like no first and first like Asian Americans exist one so they know mm-hmm. what they're watching yes. they understand what's going on and even if they don't like it's a, it's a learning opportunity for audiences who are not familiar with the culture Mm-hmm. to learn about them I'm like but that's one yes. of my biggest pee, pet peeves I would rather learn about it I want to learn like, about it yes like, uh, which to your point if like if they have to make a your name adaptation y'all please hire somebody but they don't even need to like the anime is beautiful in and of itself it's beautiful in and of itself that's the problem and that, but that's like the problem. They see how well something performs. Like they know how big a deal Train to Busan is for like a lot of people. Like it is one of our favorite movies. I, yes. Why are you remaking L- it? Leave it alone. Why are you? Like, you for, they just want it for a cash grab. Like, that's all they want. I, they want a cash grab. I, I mean, it's like it's not going to do what you want it to mm, do because I don't want you to even call it Train to Busan. It, it won't make any sense. What are they going to call They're gonna it? They're going to probably they call it Train to San Francisco. Guess what? There are no bullet trains to San Francisco. <laughs> there are no bullet trains in North America. Period. Like that's. <sighs> I'm less, just I'm, uh, I want I want American studios just leave to take some things like, alone. Leave some exactly. Leave, leave some things alone. Things alone. Like, it's like while I want like I like that Battle Angel Alita can like open the doors to some people to like getting int- introduced to anime and manga. I like that idea of it because I think a lot of people were interested in it after seeing mm-hmm. it. But I think also we have to take in the fact that like. Robert Rodriguez did a, a wonderful job building out the world and I think he did a really good job of not making it so white and that did a really like that made it better for me like Mahershala Ali seeing him as a villain was weird but like I enjoyed it yeah. even though the villain he's not really the big villain but I and then like the, his character in the anime is black too but it's like seeing more people of color in the movie mm-hmm. 
like I enjoyed that part at least more. I enjoyed that he added in elements of like Latinx culture into the movie yeah. that we never like. You probably would not never ever notice like in the um, OVA in the movie in the anime movie. But we do take in the context that like hey, it's happening in North America. It's definitely that it's a post-apocalyptic. Lord, I cannot talk. Post-apocalyptic world. And all these cultures are blended in. So I appreciated that they didn't erase any cultures and try to make it like, oh, no, now we all speak one language. Mm-hmm. No, because these cultures still exist and they still found a way to like thrive and still be current. So like, I appreciated that like, oh, OK, it's been 500 years and all these cultures have like melded in together. But like you still hear like the Spanish language going on in the background. Like so people are still there. Uh I could just so I have feelings. Yeah, we are, this <laughs> is like, probably a, a, a whole podcast discussion because I think like what what like, as you're talking what occurred to me is like like we mm-hmm. have we are getting all of these like adaptations of Disney cartoons. No, the big mm-hmm. difference is I don't know if they're Oof. probably thinking, oh, if we can add, if we, if we can do a live um, action of Beauty and the Beast, why can't we do um, a live adaptation of Your Name on Mirai? The difference is Oof. there's no cultural significance to films like Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid. Like, what? Thank you. There's literally no cultural it's significance. It's grim fairy tales. They're grim fairy tales. It's, it's, there's nothing of like you can't even say feminism because The Little Mermaid, the most feminist character in that car- mm. in that cartoon is um, Ursula. Look what happens Ursula. to her. She <laughs> dies at the end. Beauty and the Beast. Nothing right. feminist because. Um, silly Belle went going into this castle for a man she knows nothing about and went telling him like oh you're a monster you're a beast I bet you in the man's house what you doing there nobody called <laughs> you your dad went there your dad had no business going there like yep. the, like Lion she King Lion alone. King the cast was made up of the voice cast was made up of it's based in Africa but the voice cast was made up predominantly of white people let's be real yep. none of the music was like we got the one theme song and like we got the whole thing like we had African Influences, but it was not an African film, even though it was about lions in the Serengeti of Africa. Like, there's yeah. no, there is literally no old school um, Disney cartoon that has cultural significance. Where if you look at films like Mirai mm-hmm. and Your Name and Howl's Moving Castle, like they have cultural significance because they delve into the culture and they show you like yep. Asian culture and they like things. So like, there's a big difference. But I think they're saying if we can do these for these Disney films, why can't we do these with these Asian things? I'm like, no, no, you I cannot. Agree. Because, but look. Look what they're doing to like the non-white majority casting like Disney films. Mulan's been um, like torn to hell. Mulan is not. They need Aladdin, to name that movie something else because that is, it is not, not Mulan. Because mm. where is a witch and a sister coming in? Uh, and why? And they keep trying to insert white characters that weren't there in the and first place. And people gotta be complaining on Twitter movies. for them to change their minds. And then the love interest isn't even Li Shang. It's another character. Who oh. is this guy? Who is Who are he? you? Who are you? Who are you? Get out. We don't want you here. We want Lee Shang. Uh, we have, you, you got the Asian Lewis actor. Can, why can't he why can't Lee be playing Lee Shang? Like, you have, right. the, like, literally, why does he have to be someone Every, else? Why can't he be Lee Shang? Like, I don't understand they, it. We, there are so many. There are so many. Go to haikus and hotties. You can find an Asian male actor lead there. Go to, like, any... But the guy oh that they have playing the new love interest is literally an Asian American actor. I'm like, why is he not playing Lee Shang? Who is this new exactly, person? That too. Why did you have to create a new character? They, have him play Lee Shang. Oh, like, I don't understand sorry, it. Sorry, I'm confusing. I've, I realized I was confusing the whole issue they were talking about with Aladdin. So my bad. It's not that they didn't find like an Asian actor oh. Lee Shang. I was thinking of Aladdin where they said that they couldn't find. They were having troubles finding the lead. Please, Bollywood like, is right there. You're lying. 
you're lying. Yeah, Bollywood because is right there's there. a whole there is a whole industry called Bollywood. Mm. Like you the Carolyn just said. I'm like, and you know you a lie. You know you lie. <laughs> and why is it that we're having this all these issues of having accuracy for these movies when y'all were so um hell bent on making sure like Belle's dress looked just like her dress. Mm. Didn't even look like that. Yeah. <laughs> but like y'all doing all this foolishness with the majority people of character Disney movies. I just... Mm. Why? Because I'm like, I don't even want y'all to touch Princess Tiana. I, want, I don't even know if I want y'all to touch Princess oh, and the Frog. Oh, I know. That would be a mess. First and first, I got my own problems just, with that cartoon, I, but, you know. I would need someone like, I don't know, D. Reese. I don't, I don't know. I want somebody who's good with, like, Southern Gothic. And I want it to be scary. Like, They'd probably Black have Noir. to get... Oh, like, Tina Marbury, because she did, um... Mm. She did, oh my gosh, I just drew a blank on the name, but Tina Marbury, she made this um, horror movie, and she'd be great. Mm-hmm. It was... Like, give like make it a little spookier, and give us an... Uh, just, ugh, I don't but know. I, we, I don't even want to talk to her, because I got problems with, T- I know. with Princess Tiana, anywho. I mean, well, don't we but, all? Because she was a frog for more than she was a human. why she had to be a frog? Frog a slimy for, amphibian. What was it? Why? A smooth 50 minutes, a frog, for, and she was a human for 10? Yeah. Yeah, why should I be a frog? Huh? Why? We need to. We gonna have to end this show because we're just we're just being petty. No, we're not being petty. We're being right. We're being righteously petty. But no, you're right. I think that would be an interesting episode if we were to talk about live action adaptations and then also the re- the American remakes mm-hmm. of like from other film from other countries. So I think we need to write that down for like a bonus episode one day. So we can just like, yeah, we're going to write that down for a bonus episode. Pick that back up because I would love to like bring on like, I feel like we we know enough people on Twitter. We could probably like bring on one or two people to dive in or just me and you because we know we love to talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's so true. And I would, uh, yeah, let's just end here. <laughs> Anywho, sorry for being on a little a, bit long, folks. <laughs> Oh, we actually did pretty good this time. So, (laughs) yay us. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thanks again for joining us for another episode. So here's what happened. (laughs) We love that y'all are here to hear us talk about all these things and go down our rabbit holes. And remember, you can find me on Twitter at LA underscore N-E-Y underscore S-H-A. And you can find me on Twitter at Carrie C-N-H-12 C-A-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2. Look at you, so smooth with that. <laughs> and and you can practicing. also find you can also join us on the show's pod um so the the podcast handle at S H W H underscore pod. Yeah, did it right. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, join us over there. We're gonna start I think because we just I think it'd be fun if we did a questions thread for our po- like for ours. Oh we should. Kind of po- the ones you guys yeah. did for but um but did you have to? Yeah, that was a that was a fun yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, I think so, because I feel like we have so much, like, content and questions that we could ask people, like, pitch a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I, y'all know I love to pitch a movie. <laughs> but no, she can pitch or movies, like, though, because we don't want our we don't want our intellectual property getting stolen. If you want pitches, people, true. contact us directly. DMs are open. I have ideas true. for films and scripts. Let me know. That's true, because, <laughs> Carolyn, you be getting on me. Of, like, I think you told me, like, a few weeks ago, like, go delete that tweet and go write. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> delete it. Oh, but no, it, we'll come up with a few questions. I think that'll be fun to talk about and just engage with everybody over there. Mm-hmm. But 
yeah so this has been a great episode we hope you guys have enjoyed our recommendations and our reviews please be sure to check them out and let us know how you liked them if you go and watch any or read anything that we recommended today uh, yes and, and also you can uh, retweet pretty regularly about films tv shows i tweet out, i've been tweeting a lot yes. about um korean dramas i'm gonna have a new article coming out Kate and I have a, a, po- a special podcast episode where we talked about um, yes. Korean dramas, and I'm hoping mm-hmm. we're hoping to do some more stuff with that soon. And with, by the time this mm-hmm. episode airs, I will say I would go out and watch Captain Marvel, which will be in cinemas, which will be March. Oh, that that's March yes. the ninth. The Friday? That's actually March 8th. Are, make, are you guys getting it March 9th? It's Ours is March 8th, pro- that Friday. It's the same day, probably. But go out watch okay. make the Dude Bros Cry Salty Tears. Anywho. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Dude. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode of the oh, yeah. uh, Captain Marvel yeah, episode. Should. Let's do, yeah, let's put that, we're going to do that. I claim it right now. We will do that. <laughs> More content. And then, oh, also, by the time this episode comes out, I will be at South by Southwest mm-hmm. to see more films. <laughs> and we may have some, oppor- I know Carolyn will not be there with oh. me, which I'm very sad. But this is great <sighs> for our podcast because we may be able to connect with some people. And also because Carolyn is getting ready for some other opportunities coming up. But we will also be sure to include our PayPal link <laughs> to help us raise money for those events and future you know trips and film festivals and other opportunities because we think it's important that voices like ours are in these spaces and we are getting this coverage yep so yeah thanks guys thank you and yep and bye Bye.